We are back. The Brolytically Correct Podcast, the podcast formerly known as Delusional and Depraved. I'm feeling a little delusional and depraved. Maybe not depraved, but definitely delusional. Um, running on four and a half hours of sleep, jazzed up on caffeine, Vicks Vapor Rub, ready to go, locked and loaded. Uh, Tommy also getting off shift. I'm Mike, by the way, just in case you didn't know. On the other side is Tommy, and we're going to get this thing going. Both of us coming off shift, both of us losing an hour to that goddamn daylight savings time. And uh, yeah, today is March 10th, 2019. As we speak, people are climbing in the Scott Firefighter Stair Climb in downtown Seattle. Just want to give a shout out to that and raise money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Uh, just know a lot of people climbing, didn't have the opportunity to participate this year. Just want to give a shout out to that great um, event, charitable cause, organization, whatever. Tommy, how Let's are you? Let's go. Nice introduction, man. That got me fired up. It could be your introduction, could be the three bang energy drinks I've had. Not sure which one it is. <laughs> but uh yeah, excited to be back. I love uh setting the clock forward, big spring forward guy. Happy that spring, summer right around the corner. A lot of good things coming up. Happy to be back in the studio, as always, an eclectic, weird, crazy list of topics we're gonna get to. And uh yeah, happy to be here. You're a big spring forward guy? Yeah, big guy. Oh, yeah. oh super well, against the spring forward. Super against the fall see, back. I'm glad we're... G- Don't do I'm, it. Well, okay, then that's a different <laughs> debate, is if we should just eliminate the daylight savings time altogether. Which I heard both your state and my state are, are moving consider- towards, so. Yeah, I, I've heard that as well, and I'm okay with that, but in our current conventional system, love spring and forward, especially when like you and I were both on shift last night, we sprang forward so we didn't have to work an extra hour, if my math's correct. That is yeah. true. Um, but apparently I am a white cloud, and I get to sleep through um, the back half of my ship every night. As it's, once so I get you to sleep, lost I sleep last of, night because of, of that. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so that actually worked not in your favor. Not in my favor yeah, at all. Ah, like, oh, man, what the heck? I got to wake up right now? <laughs> I got paid for this. <laughs> exactly. Shout out exactly. taxpayers and whatever municipal city you work in. Yeah. Whatever uh district. <laughs> yes. Um How wait, wh- so what hey, exactly are you against? Strong work during the nah, day. No, no, absolutely. <laughs> Training, you know, hanging out, eating steaks. So what are you hey, hey, we have. So what are you against bringing forward or are you just against the entire system? Because the entire system, it's an antiquated thing of the past that we're like, ah, yeah, we're doing it because we've always done it. That's why we're doing it. And um, some states have figured it out. Arizona, Indiana. I feel like there's one more. Is there one more? Um, The only one I was familiar with was Arizona. I know Arizona does it. I'm almost positive Indiana does it. Indiana. Um, yeah. That's Indiana. Huh. Right? Kind of random. Yeah, super random. Maybe they're on like a weird border. Yeah, but... Yeah, yeah, they're almost like right at the time like zone. Like a Midwest, right? Yeah, that's what I mean, like a Midwest time zone mountain. Yep. I don't know, I have to pull out a map. Yeah, central to eastern, I think, is their border. Mm. Yep, I think that's where they are. But anyway, against it, let's get rid of it. Let's just keep it all the same time. Um, 
that way we don't have to do this falling and springing and all that sort of stuff. Um, throwing out some vaguely remembered science studies that I didn't completely get into, but they say that because of the spring forward and people getting thrown off their sleep cycles and um, losing that hour of sleep, but then the being thrown off your sleep cycles for a while, uh, the incidences of heart attacks increases Ooh. after you spring that bad boy forward. So that, let's just keep America safe. So, get rid of daylight savings time. So maybe don't drink three bang energy drinks in one day. I mean, that's that's for regular people, Tommy. We're, <laughs> we're young, thriving uh, adults. Fish oil taking um, individuals. Fish oil, curcumin, mm-hmm. got, got it all. Also, what's misleading is that when we spring forward, it's not technically the first day of spring, which I may or may not have just found out. So kind of, <laughs> I, I might have, I wouldn't do this, but if I was to do it, I might have gone around yesterday and be like, hey guys, um, super excited, first day of spring tomorrow. And everyone just kind of looked at me <laughs> and I was like, wow, I guess they're not as excited for spring as I am. And then come to find out a quick Google search later, I may or may not have been wrong about that. May or may not. Yep. Well. For those Allegedly, keeping someone who isn't me, <laughs> yeah, swim. For those keeping score at home, uh, the first day of spring, according to my hastily Google search, is Wednesday, March twentieth, two thousand nineteen. Not today. There we go, March twentieth, baby. Not to be confused right around with the March tenth. Not at all. <laughs> so. Fantastic. Well, shall we dive on into yeah, it? Let's do it. What the heck? Let's just get messy right from let's the get-go. Let's dive into their uh, mud. Yeah, let's get into... Um, it's been a while since we've last recorded. Some things have happened. Some things have gone on. Some documentaries have been released. Uh, we touched on one earlier, but uh, as a supplement to that documentary, an interview has come out, and I'm talking about Surviving R. Kelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Kelly himself sat down with a Miss Gail King, to do an interview with CBS, I believe it was. Sounds about right. CBS. Uh, it's a major yeah, news network. Whatever. Major news network. Three letters. Can't go wrong. Um, sat down for an interview. And have you seen this? I have. It was something. Man. It felt like he was reenacting those Trapped in the Closet music videos. I thought it was a music video or an intro to a music video. Same. It was just so theatrical, so over the top. He's asking her, is this camera on me? Right. Looking into the camera, playing to the camera, all sorts of gesticular head movements and hand movements and changes in tone of voice and pitch and getting up out of his seat and then having them fix his makeup. If you have not checked out this interview, um, you don't need to watch the whole thing. That's just pointless because there's like 47 minutes or something. Um, there's a 12-minute cut clip from CBS, I think it is, and with Gail King, Robert Kelly. And, man, he just goes crazy. And it just goes over the top, full bore, just acting everything out, allegedly. Um, <laughs> despicable. If, if, if what I think is happening is happening, which I have – some pretty good evidence, Fairly some certain. tapes that uh, may involve the individual or may not. Um, a, a jury apparently couldn't be convinced it, it was him in the tape. Don't get me started on that. But, um, yeah, uh, 
a man who may or may not like to urinate on underage girls, allegedly. Um, may or may not have started a cult or hmm, cult. I think cult. I think that's a an applic- personality. It's an applicable term to describe. Definitely, where where he uh, isolates girls, um, brings them to his house, kind of cuts them off from the rest of society and families, allegedly, and um, then basically controls every right. aspect of their lives. Every decision degra- he makes. Yeah, yeah. Um, every decision, like down to the minutia of telling them like when to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, insane we're living in strange times man and maybe times have always been this strange but we just haven't had uh the outlets to be able to bring everything out in the open it's crazy i want to give a tip of the cap to mrs gail king for keeping her composure throughout that rant that mr kelly went on because i didn't know where he was going with that and i didn't know if he was i mean he was looked like a a wounded animal and i didn't know if he was going to start getting like physical I don't know if they had talked beforehand, like she knew that was going to happen, or if that was just impromptu. And but good on her for like not freaking out and staying cool throughout that, because that was a very unique, weird, interesting, strange behavior by Robert Kelly. Extremely professional. I mean, she barely even flinched. Right. When he, you know Robert Kelly is not a small no, former individual. like professional basketball player. Popped up out of the seat very, very quickly, (laughs) you know, raised his voice. It might have been a pitch tone, um, a higher pitch than uh, before. So maybe that indicated it was not as threatening. But still, I mean, startling at the very least. And she just kept her cool, tried to rein him back in, Mm -hmm. tried to calm him down. Super professional. Great interview. Yeah. What do you think R. Kelly wanted to gain from that interview? Allegedly, I think he is so. I think he's so narcissistic. I mean, obviously narcissistic. You start a cult of personality, take people, control every aspect of their life. Um, I think he's so full of himself that he believed that he could convince the American people. If they, if they had just, if they could just listen to him and his side of the story, they would believe him because he has that much charisma, that much. Um, persuasive power because he's be he if these allegations are true he utilizes that persuasive power yeah and he's very successful with it and so he has evidence that he is um skilled in this area so he it's been working for him so far it should work in front of the camera in front of a live television or not live television audience but uh, a nationally broadcasted television audience if someone made a four-part, five-part docu-series about yourself and made all these allegations against you that were, in your mind, completely false, wouldn't you go after the person who made that for libel or telling the truth or whatever the correct law term is for that? And Because he hasn't done that, has he? Has he, like, countersued or what? Defamation to character lawsuits? No, I don't believe he has. Um, like, those are some... I do know that... Go ahead. Yeah, I do know that the Michael Jackson uh, estate is now doing that, and we'll get to that in just Mm -hmm. a moment. But um, I don't know, and I'll do a quick Google search to check, but I don't think he has. Right. If someone was saying these things about me or accusing me of these things, 
I I would imagine I would take every single liberty to fight back against that, and I guess I would include a lawsuit as well. Because that's pretty despicable allegations. I agree. I agree. Unless you just know that you're guilty and that you don't want to open up a case about that because you've got so many other things on your hands. So apparently he has threatened to sue. But I don't believe it's been filed. So, I mean, maybe he knows he's going to lose that lawsuit. So why file it and why have it um, come back against you? Because then you open yourself up to a countersuit, that sort yeah. of thing. Um, plus, he's probably got his hands full with the actual <laughs> um, criminal True. charges. Uh, four counts of aggravated criminal sexual abuse um, against four different women, uh, three of them whom were minors at the time. So, Did you see that someone had paid his his bail, his child support? Yeah, and it was like a child care owner, a daycare owner, <laughs> just something? a cool hundred and sixty-one thousand dollars. It gets weirder and weirder. <laughs> apparently, he's not doing well financially. Apparently, it costs a lot of money to keep a cult going. Yeah, um, not a whole lot of income. Yeah, maybe that's why he's telling them when they can eat. It's uh, it's, it's a budgetary issue. Yeah, top ramen. Yeah, it's tough. Times are tough out here for a multimillionaire. For some people. Um, yeah, so. Fuck that dude. It, it, the interview was just uh, incredible. I mean, he's sitting there. Um, at one point, he like looks at her, and uh, I don't remember the exact verbiage, but he's like, I'm fighting for my fucking life! He's like, <laughs> Ooh, his voice was, gets so high. That was a good impersonation. So, <laughs> so high, yeah. and he's just like, that's super high pitch, yeah. and he's like, trying to cry. I don't know if he's being successful. Uh I can't really tell. I um, thought he was going to break out into the remix to the remix to Ignition. I didn't know what was going right. to happen, but he he starts like he, he just says such corny cheesy shit that Gail get he's like I need help and she's like how how can the people help you? And he's like I need help not to have such a big heart. <laughs> he's like that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> he's like i have i have such a big oh, heart man. and people keep betraying me and i keep forgiving them <laughs> what's your biggest weakness i care too much yeah all right exactly okay, okay. <laughs> all right <laughs> and then in another point in the interview um gail's talking about this young lady who uh the family is claiming that he ha- is holding her there against his will or her will um and he responds to that by saying, well, her father brought her to me. Wait, wait, wait. So, so you're being accused of holding someone against your will, and your response to that is to say, well, well, I mean, the dad brought her to me. Like, what, am I, what else am I supposed to do? Yeah, I, don't, I mean, <laughs> I don't think that checks out. Yeah, just such a weird individual. Um don't know what's going on up in that headspace. Don't really want to find out. Delusion. But I do hope that justice is done and um, the proper, uh, at, at least 
he is unable to keep doing this to other women if that is actually what's going on here. So I agree. Any other thoughts on Robert Kelly? No, I think I think we're good on that. Will he release a prison album? I think he'll try because he'll be fighting for his life. <laughs> I don't think he'll do very well in prison. <laughs> I don't think yeah. so either. He might literally um, be fighting for I his life when he, if, if and when <laughs> he goes to prison. Literally fighting, fighting for his life, fighting for his holes, <laughs> fighting <laughs> for all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yikes. From what I've heard, um, prison is not kind to those who abuse underage um, children. No. Basically. What goes around Merriman. That's what I've heard. What goes around will probably come around in prison. Yeah. They may have uh different morals, but apparently that's one thing that remains yeah, pretty. There's consistent. an ethos. So uh from one d- disgraced, I can yeah, yeah, I disgraced I don't think anyone's gonna fight you on R and B star to a disgraced pop star. Um Leaving Never- Neverland, two-part series uh, released on HBO. Lengthy, these things are. Four, Did not yeah, watch them. Four hours, I think. Yeah, two hours apiece. Um, just disturbing stuff. More more disturbing stuff of a music icon using their fame, their status, their celebrity to gain access to alleged victims and perpetrate alleged crimes allegedly. allegedly allegedly but i i don't know if we, that term still needs to be used yeah uh, it's there's a lot of evidence and it's just all pretty darn disturbing if if there was no actual sexual abuse going on at the very least there was a very strange but there was relationship. some weird shit going on for sure some some weird weird stuff so uh some of the details um just a history basically of michael jackson's kind of allegations Uh, first allegations were made in august of 1993 um abuse of a young boy and two of the people who are like the main focus of this leaving neverland documentary actually testified on his behalf during this time which is interesting and that's something i want to get into a little bit later is kind of this um the the mentality of people who are abused in in relation to their abuser and how we expect people to react in a way that a completely sound of mind, um, sound of, uh, you know, not uh, not completely traumatized, damaged individual would react. So, like, you know, if somebody abused me, I'm I'm going to tell on them. I'm going to stop it from happening the first opportunity I get. When in a lot of a lot of cases, that is not what happens, and that is a result of the trauma that those people have endured. But we'll get to that in just a second. But he had allegations in 93, allegations in 2003, um, and then all sorts of whisperings on the side, a couple civil settlements, um, and now this documentary, which has been released recently. And the main two uh, kind of the main the main focus of this documentary is around Wade Robson and James Safechuck. 
and they were seven and ten years old at the time that all this was occurring um that or at least when it started and they carried on from there and man there's some disturbing stuff in there um you know i forget which one but at one time the the man he's now now a grown man but is describing all the places within Neverland where him and Michael Jackson allegedly participated in sexual activity. And it's just disturbing, extremely disturbing. There was a, a mock wedding ceremony yeah. with one of the boys where they went and picked out rings at a ring store and did a whole ceremony. In um, like his bedroom. Yeah. Super weird. Uh, very strange. Lots of sleepovers. Um a system of bells to alert, you know, Michael when, you know, an adult was approaching. Uh, just, I don't want to get too deep into this, bring it too, too down. But, yeah, just terrible, terrible stuff and happening very frequently. And I, I don't care if these allegations are true or not. I am going to question the decision-making of these parents. I mean, l- let me first say that yeah, if this happened, yeah. I mean, obviously, the majority of the responsibility rests on the perpetrator. Just because they were in these situations doesn't mean these terrible things should 100%. happen to them. You should, you should be able to put kids in these situations, and a morally sound adult would, even if they were in the most vulnerable circumstance, would never perpetrate these horrendous acts. That being said... It's strange strange you can't just i i mean at some point don't you think it's a little weird that your son is hanging out with one of if not the most famous people walking the earth for days at a time just them two alone Alone. (laughs) yeah just walking around holding hands i mean i don't obviously they didn't know everything that was going on but that that's gotta alert like isn't that sort of weird isn't that kind of abnormal Shouldn't you be asking some questions? Yeah. When you were going on trips with Michael Jackson and he gets you a separate hotel room in a different part of the hotel, but your son is staying in the same room. Strange. That should just be a no-go. I mean, mean, right off the bat, that should be a no-go. I don't care how much you trust somebody because you can never – you can never truly know someone. Isn't it – and what would be the what what are we benefiting what are we gaining here from having a, a child spend the night grown man. with an adult isn't it weird that your son is walking around in the thriller jacket like the official thriller jacket isn't like that's cool i i guess to a certain extent but how did how do you think your son acquired that yeah it just just strange and um i mean the parents bear some responsibility if these allegations are true especially after 1993 after 1993 after their allegations people still did these things somebody has been accused of sexually assaulting a minor and you're still letting them spend the night with him Mind-blowing. Bad, Mind-blowing. Bad judgment call there. Yeah. Um, don't know what to say. Um, justice won't... You know, the, there's no 
have to. I mean, he's he's dead already. He's not gonna harm anybody else. But we can't can't go back and undo the things that have been done. And pun- I don't know. I'm I'm not one who believes in the retribution um, portion of justice. I don't think revenge does any good for anybody. Um, I do believe in removing people from uh, the potential to harm future victims and removing them from society and things like that. But, yeah, it's just a it's a shitty situation when bad things like that happen. You feel like you can't do anything. So. Is it appropriate to listen to Michael Jackson music? I mean, I'm not going to. Appropriate... I mean, there's so many things, right? A lot. So, so many things where we can we can draw those lines and those distinctions. It's up to you, yeah. individually. I mean, are you are you harming anyone by listening to Michael Jackson music right now? No, because I mean, you're not putting more money in Michael Jackson's pocket. He's dead. Um, you know, you're not causing physical harm to children by listening to that music. Um, while he's alive, you could you could make that argument. Um, you know, we've made that argument for other yeah. organizations. I'll stay off Talked that. Talked about R. But, uh, Kelly as well, about listening to his music. Yeah. I, I'm not going to. I don't think you should. I I don't know why you'd want to. I don't know. It, it, how could you listen to their music after this, after knowing this information and not think about this information? Right. Uh, even like, so even the R. Kelly songs, my mind is telling me no, but my body's telling me yes. <laughs> it's way different right. for me now. That leaves way a, different for leaves me now. a different impression now. The fact that um, he, I think he like produced or something Aaliyah's album when she was yeah, a minor 16. and called it "Age Ain't Nothing But a Number" or something like that. That's a red flag. I, I, it's it's beyond my comprehension why you'd want to after this, but am I going to make you, you know, try to get people to change their minds? I'm the same of piece. If they ask me about it, I'm not going to go out of my way to press the issue. Uh, I feel like if we're on this subject, we're talking about bad parenting. We shouldn't leave out uh, Mr. Joe Jackson. Oh, not at all. I, mean, I don't think you have Michael Jackson and these allegations without Joe Jackson. Definitely not. Definitely not. And that's just, you know, the sad state of things is... A lot of times, not all the time, sometimes there's not really an explanation for the things that go on. But a lot of the times these people who are damaged and cause harm to other people are doing it because they themselves have been damaged by another. Right. Um, the statistics show that uh, a large percentage, and I don't know of the exact numbers, but a large percentage of survivals of sexual assault go on to perpetrate abuse themselves. Those are just the facts we live with um there's no i mean it's very rare that you go through these um traumatic events and come out unchanged i mean nobody's unchanged um but it's very rare that some there aren't some negative consequences there are cases where it can make somebody stronger they can survive it and they can kind of um grow from it and and overcome it and you know use it to propel themselves to greatness or you know 
bring light to the abuse and prevent it from happening to other people. But for every one of those stories, there's just as many, if not more, of people who um, given to not given to uh, that's the wrong verbiage. I don't I don't want to um, put the wrong light on this, but um, who are overcome by um, drugs, alcohol, violence, sexual abuse, or just depression, anxiety suicide you know and it's tough you know you have to it's just interesting everybody was a baby at some point you know i just try to look at it like that sometimes and it it can kind of make you a little more empathetic Mm -hmm. for some people um it's sad i wish no nothing like this ever happened to anybody but I guess we're dealing with those consequences. So, Yeah, well said. All right, yeah. Good uh, cheery way to Two start hot topics. off this. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> super hot topics. Let's go to something. Uh, so we'll stay on celebrities. We'll stay on <laughs> celebrities. Um, yeah, and we'll go to something slightly lighter, I guess. Um, still kind of a little dark and creepy but slightly lighter. Have you seen the news on Taylor Swift and her stalker? Ooh, no, but I, well, not this current one, but I've heard of her stalker in the past. Is he back? He is back. <laughs> He's a multi, isn't he a serial stalker? He has, mul- is this the one, the same one that stalked Rihanna as well? I don't know if he stalked Rihanna, but this guy, I'm going to leave his name out because that's what we do here. Um, he broke into Taylor Swift's townhouse Yikes. in Tribeca. And got sentenced to six months in prison. You know, you'd think got be out. A, you'd think that'd be a harsher sentence. <laughs> yeah, you'd think breaking so. Breaking and entering with bad intentions. I, I don't know. Seems seems like that's a pretty light sentencing. Well, or, I don't know what bad intentions because the first time, first time he he did breaking and entering, the first time he broke into her house, he took a shower in her shower and slept in her bed. That's weird. That's pretty weird. I don't think I'd like that. <laughs> it's definitely. It's definitely weird, but you could get a good lawyer who's saying, "Oh, he's just a fan. He just got like caught up in the moment." There's some and, people like an awestruck. You show you show some videos of the Beatles fans like screaming and feigning, and and you bring out some psychologists to talk about mass hysteria. You should represent and- this guy in court. <laughs> <laughs> there's some like there's some pretty close friends of mine that I wouldn't want coming over, sleeping in my bed, and showering in my shower, and like those are close friends, let Agreed. alone a stranger. Agreed. Agreed. I'm just saying you could you could <laughs> as a lawyer you could make an argument. Yeah, in today's now, today's litigious society, I suppose so. Now, when he goes back to back, back then to back. you start to drop the hammer. <laughs> Once I mean yeah. he gets gets out of prison, he's like, I'm I'm going what back. What do you think he was doing in prison doing the whole again. time? He was just plotting his revenge. <laughs> he's gonna take two showers. He actually this time. said He actually said, I don't regret it. Questioned whether he would break in again. The obsessed fan added, probably with more violence, oh. but not towards her. Towards what? I don't want to hurt her. I just want to speak to her, to talk to her. Well, this time, this past time he used a concrete block to smash through a window. Oh. So I don't know what he means with more violence like to, against the building. To the doorbell? It, maybe he just has something against buildings. Maybe he doesn't like Tribeca. <laughs> maybe. A lot of people who don't. Yeah. But... um. 
yeah, very strange scenario. Um, guess where he's, guess what where he's from? You just got to remove that person. Um, I don't know. Where is he from? Uh, there's a state, and it's uh, south of Georgia. Uh, Florida. <laughs> Florida man? Florida man. <laughs> not, to, uh, of course. not to disrespect any of our Florida listeners, the great state of Florida, <laughs> but um, not terribly yeah. surprising. So we've knocked out our Florida Shoot. listeners, our Utah listeners, Indiana, our, um, Ohio, and, uh, Idaho. <laughs> We got a couple left in. You know, we're just we got a couple left in the union. We're just we're just honing this thing down. All right, we're finding our demographic, <laughs> and you know, we're starting super wide, and we're bringing it to a real just, fine yeah, point. Yeah, really narrowing in the scope there. But anyways, yeah. until finally, it's just people we can hang out with. <laughs> just <laughs> like a small group of six to ten individuals. Yeah, not not a cult. I don't no. even know what that means. Can't even spell it. Yeah, but just a strange situation. Uh, what do you do with this guy? That's a great question because you know he wants to do it again. But you can't, I don't know, I guess you can't lock him away for life. Yeah, you have to give him an opportunity? Yeah, weird. <laughs> it's just strange. Like a restraining order is just a piece of paper, so that's not really going to do anything. Definitely. So, if yeah, if I'm Taylor Swift, I don't really love this situation that I'm in. Do we just put like a permanent GPS tracker on? Him? I, honestly, that's that, some weird president. That's kind of what I was I thinking. It's like, well, restraining order is a piece of paper, but what if you took it to the next level and like got him a shot collar? Like anytime he got within like 200 yards of her apartment or house. But that doesn't yeah. seem very, that seems kind of inhumane. Yeah, I and mean, then that opens the floodgates yeah, for tracking. Right. The, you know. can't, yeah, exactly. Good call there. Can't do no, it. No. I, this. Huh. I have to think about that one. <laughs> Same. <Right? laughs> but do you relocate him to Antarctica and say, nope, uh, you can't get out? You yeah. Penal col- colony. Australia? We'll just move him. <laughs> no, but. But then, yeah, that is weird. I don't let him in the state of New York? Yeah, strange. Where does he live up? Strange, he strange. In Florida? Like, what's he doing up in New York? Where does he stay? I don't know. And how how does he have the disposable income to be able to do this? You know, right? Who's paying for these? Who's paying know, for the bricks? Car car rides, plane tickets, <laughs> yeah. cinder blocks. I don't know. Something tells me he was you know? on a greyhound. <laughs> hmm. Most likely, most likely a greyhound. Yeah. Huh. Shout out to greyhound. We will take you as a sponsor. Uh, yeah. So just another strange, strange situation. It's just, I don't know, weird. Because he hasn't. But uh, hopefully, hopefully this doesn't keep happening. Hopefully they figure it out. And uh, shout out to Taylor Swift. What if Taylor Swift hung out with him for like two hours and was like, "All right, I'll hang out with you, but you can't ever do this again." Yeah. So um, <laughs> Brian Callen tells this really interesting story about how one of his actor friends or somebody he he leaves them anonymous but he says uh they had a real stalker problem like a like a serious stalker is it a problem. female or a male i don't know if that matters the stalker was the stalker was a male but i don't know if the person was male or female okay um i think i think the person was male actually okay. um and he went to the male stalker and he like met him and he's like listen 
I appreciate what you're doing. And like, I know you're a huge fan and I really like enjoy that and appreciate it, but you got to stop doing this because if you keep doing this, the crazies will come after me. Like I know you're regular and you're cool, but it's going to open the floodgate to like these crazy stalker people. And I can't have that happening. And if you just kind of like stop doing this, you'll in a way be protecting me. And so the person was like, oh yeah. And so now the person thinks that by staying away from the celebrity that they are the hero Re- in this Reverse situation. psychology? Yeah. Hmm. So I thought that was an interesting story. Don't know if it's true or not, but interesting strategy. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe she could adopt something similar. Yeah. Weird. If not... Um, I don't know. I guess it's just one of the downfalls of being a celebrity. I guess that's what you have homeowner's insurance for. Uh, yeah. Not good enough, I guess. Huh. All right. Well, let's just go one more weird thing. Um, I had you Google something before this podcast. Let's get really weird. (laughs) So um, let me just preface this by saying I think this it's completely obvious that this podcast is not Donald Trump's biggest friend. Um, I haven't been invited to the White House for McDonald's yet. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, McDonald's or Chick Fil A, nope. so um, a little disappointing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't agree with this situation at all. And so, it, would you mind describing to us what happened, Tommy? Yeah. So, to the best of my knowledge, there is this group called—is it Hate Breed, or uh, what's the group called? H- Hate Breed is the, the video. The name of. The, yeah, the name of their, I guess, performance piece, okay. I guess you would call it. Um, the group is indirect, I think. Let me see. Uh, in Decline right. is the, the group. And it, it's an artist collection. Okay, so I'm crushing this description so far. So In Decline... Killing it. <laughs> in Decline is this group of artists, from what I've read, that are on the left that like to put on political displays um, uh, across the country. And so what they did was they dressed up in MAGA hats and wore attire that is similar to Donald Trump. And they got down on their hands and knees and put a dog collar and a leash on. And they pretty much... Crawled on all fours across Hollywood Boulevard in one of the most populated, famous areas of Los Angeles, and they were trying to get their political motives across. And the biggest problem probably that I have with this performance that they put on is that they took my beloved I Want to Be Your Dog by Iggy Pop and remixed it, and I just don't think that this song should have anything to do with this performance. It was a really weird uh, situation overall. I don't agree with what they did. I don't I don't know if you have political views, you can express them, but I don't know if this is the best way to do it. I agree. And I just don't understand people's motives when they do something like this. It, looking at this performance and designing it and if you can just even put yourself in the shoes of somebody who is a Trump supporter, 
you know the effect it's going to have. You're not changing anybody's mind with this. You're not making some sort of profound statement. You're not presenting an argument in a different way that somebody might have not thought about before that causes them to reconsider the issue. What you're doing is you are trying to, for lack of a better word, trigger Trump supporters as hard as you can. How is that it's productive? It's not. It's counterproductive, <laughs> and it's we're, we're seeing it on the right and left, and we're just grow, growing farther apart. We are just making ourselves worse and worse enemies. We are just becoming more extreme. We are giving in to our hatred. Um, we are giving in to our differences and not trying to find common ground. And we, we're almost viewing it as a cultural war. We are not trying to convince the other side and bring them to our side. We are just trying to defeat them by any means possible. And it's... That does not bode well for our future. I feel like the reason why the quote-unquote right voted for Trump was because there are a large majority of people on the left that think they're just better than everybody and like talk down about everybody. And it feels like this video is kind of emphasizing that point. And that's how you end up with the right voting for a Trump. I mean, if you talk down to people the entire time and just think that they're dumb and talk down about their beliefs and who they are and the way they act and what they believe in, they're going to vote for somebody like Trump. 100%. And for a group that I think believes themselves to be the party of inclusivity and um, kind of socially just um, inclusivity. I'll stick with inclusivity. The party of inclusivity, they are ostracizing a community, um, denigrating a community, and kind of spitting in the face of that community. And I get it. You find their ideas to be antithetical to yours i I get that um but what are you trying to do are you trying to make the world a better place are you trying to change the minds of the people who disagree with you or are you just trying to draw a line in the sand and hopefully it's weird because like these tactics the only way they're going to work is like by eradication of the other group. And yep. right now, na- right now, it's in a way that it's they're trying to eradicate them from relevance within society. But I feel like this is a viewpoint that could very easily turn violent if given enough power. 100%. Here's a hypothetical. If you're as neutral as you can be in politics and you're like you don't have a background in politics and you're just now looking at like who you want to align yourself with uh, political party wise you look to your left and you look to the right who would you who would you decide to go to right now 
I would I would definitely try to go to the left just because I believe of the two groups. So we both have bad ideas way on the fringes, right? Horrible. Um and and we even have bad ideas closer towards the middle. Um but I feel like s- there is some good in the left's way of thinking like so what you're taking with the left is the instinct to um, take care of everybody include everybody and give people equal rights and um, give people access to health care and housing and all that sort of stuff the kind of social programs to take care of the country and it's getting warped and morphed to where like at at any cost you know, equality at any cost, leveling the playing field at any cost. I think at the root, that um, theory is less destructive than uh, the sort of capitalist Ayn Randian ideology. Um, I feel like this idea that, you know, producers are all that matters and, like, the will, will the individual and... You know, if you're able, basically might is right, kind of like if you're able to do something, you should be able to do it and that sort of stuff. I think that that is more toxic at the, at the extremes, but like there's there's little difference between those two. You know, there's it's marginal. So, I don't know. Did you see the what the inspiration was for the dog walk? I did it not. Was, what it was? was drawing from a Cardi B tweet, I guess, from a couple weeks ago when she called out. Uh, Fox Nation's Tommy Lauren saying that she was going to dog walk her. So we're getting our political <laughs> motives from celebrities Cart- and talking heads. Cardi B. Sweet. Sweet. <laughs> Shout out to Tommy Lauren, UNLV alumni. Uh, she's um, an interesting no. character. I don't know if she'd be your most yeah, proud alumni. but Oh, definitely not. It's Guy Fieri, <laughs> hands down. Guy Fieri went to uh, UNLV? Guy Fieri? Jimmy Kimmel, Ooh. shout out to Jimmy Kimmel. Did they both graduate? I think what did guys study? Hotel management? Uh, don't know. Um, uh, yeah, don't know. I think Jimmy Kimmel's journalism. But huh. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, so not not a whole lot of great alumni coming well, out of so. Well, you got Randall Cunningham. Randall Cunningham, Larry Johnson. Oh, cool. Um, Yep, that's it. Uh, so, but yeah, just a weird scenario. Not, I don't know how. I feel like people need to start calling out bad actors within their own party more. Um, yeah, you, you, just because you're aligned I, with one party doesn't mean you can't criticize your own party. Yeah. I don't think you or I really identify with either party. Would you say that? At the current moment, no. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I really don't want to be labeled by either of those parties because I disagree with a lot of things on both sides. Um, I think you've said it best on this podcast recently is that you like your politics a la carte. A la carte, baby. I don't buy the I think that's a great way to to put it. Definitely. But the people who do reside within a certain party, they don't want to call bullshit when they see it. 
Like, they, even though they know that someone within their party is doing something wrong, it's always, yeah, we're doing this, but the, the, the Democrats are doing that. Yeah, we're doing this, but the Republicans are doing that. And it's worse over there. So it, nobody's accepting accountability. Nobody's taking extreme ownership. Jocko needs to give <laughs> seminars to both parties that, that don't cost three thousand dollars per ticket. Yeah, or do because the Senate can Ooh, afford it. Um, but anyway, no, it's um, yeah, no, it's nobody's taking accountability. Nobody's taking ownership. Nobody is. So in this brings me into a semi segue into the Green New Deal. Um, you know, some of their verbiage on what they were trying to get across, you know, the unwilling to work thing. People were criticizing their plan and Chuck Schumer, instead of saying, yeah, there are parts of our plan that aren't good, but we're working on it and, you know, we're going to make it better and we're going to adapt it, that sort of thing. He goes, well, what's the Republicans plan? It's just this. Every time a finger gets pointed at you, you point it back in a different direction. And it's just. It's not the way I like to live my life. It's not the way I like people who are making decisions for our country to live theirs. Um, and it's not the way that most people claim to live their lives. There are a lot of people out there who are, you know, who think they're, who have this inflated idea of how they're living their life and how, like, morally righteous and just they are. And they're doing all these things that they detest deep down. And they're just denying it. So, yeah. So... Sweet, cool, bright future. <laughs> just too bright. Putting sunglasses on. Oh man, trying to address the problems of the future. That's what we're trying to do here at the politically correct podcast. And some members of the Democratic Party made an attempt to do the same in creating the what is termed the Green New Deal, um, a resolution. It is in the House. It is House Resolution. I want to say one hundred nine. Yep, one hundred nine. Don't know what is in the Senate. Don't really care right now. But uh, if you look up House Resolution 109, Green New Deal, uh, you'll be able to find the text of it. Read it for yourself. See if you support what it's saying um, and form your own opinions. You know, obviously get opinions from various places, sources, um, bring them all together and make your own decisions. But we'll talk about this for a little bit. Hey, global warming. Um, you should believe in it to some degree. That's what I'm going to say. I'm not telling you what to think, but you definitely should believe in it to some degree. Um, I, th I think the science definitely shows that it is the most likely. <coughs> Sorry. Dying. Um, I'll edit that. Uh, I think that science shows that global warming is definitely occurring at some sort of level and that is continuing to worsen. Um MIT just released uh, projections that by 2070, uh, parts of China, South Asia, and the per Persian Gulf will be uninhabitable um, <laughs> because the temperatures Jeez. will kill somebody um, within six hours of being outdoors. Yikes. So that's MIT. Um, that's, that's I don't a, know if you know a lot about MIT, but um, uh, Mr. Will Hunting went to school uh, there. Pretty and, smart guy. Uh, Wicked yep. smart. Yep. Wicked smart. Uh, and I don't know if you like apples, but these <laughs> apples are rotting and falling off the tree um, if those projections are to be believed. Uh, like 
So the Green New Deal says some pretty interesting things. Uh, it says that the duty of the federal government is to achieve a net zero emissions. Uh, they seek to create millions of jobs through the Green New Deal, invest in our infra- infrastructure. It's, uh, it's always been tough for me. Infrastructure. That's a tough one. There's a lot of inner workings on that word. It aims to secure clean air, water, um, better health, food, and a sustainable environment. Um, nowhere in the actual text of the Green New Deal does it actually state what what has become the, I guess, biggest talking point in regards to this. Have you heard about, like, what have you heard in regards to the Green New Deal? When you see headlines, what are they talking about, Tom? Um, reading up on it right now, to be honest with you. Okay, gotcha. Perfect. Uh, so the big thing that I see and the main thing that everybody's talking about, and it uses it in quotes, uh, when talking about the Green New Deal is the phrase unwilling to work. Hmm. So even though it does not say that anywhere in the text, right, of the the bill, Mm -hmm. um, apparently... Representative Ocasio-Cortez, her office released basically an FAQ um, on the Green New Deal, uh, just a fact sheet um, that kind of answers some of those frequently asked questions to give to media outlets. And that in itself is sad. Um, <laughs> it's basically a, a TLDR. Too long. Didn't read. Um, <laughs> a fact sheet that she gives out that's just a quick, quick primer on the Green New Deal, and the text of the this, this resolution, I have it pulled up right here. Okay, I'm going to use my arrows to start scrolling now. Okay. Scrolling down, scrolling down, scrolling down, done. Well, not too long. So, so, so it's like a five to ten minute read, probably. I think that's... I would say, depending on the speed of your reading. It's a little dense. It's okay. dense, so I'll bump that up to like 15. Because it's not great reading, and you may have to reread a couple parts. So let's just call it 15 minutes at most. So, you know, maybe if you're not super invested in politics, you look at the fact sheet. She gave this fact sheet to members of the media, (laughs) people whose job it is to report on these things. Why the fuck are you looking at a fact sheet when it would take 15 minutes to read the article verbatim? Or the the resolution verbatim. Just uh, says a lot about our attention span. For sure. But um, I have a question in regards to climate change and what people can do in their own lives and day-to-day activities to help reduce our carbon footprint. In my experiences with my own day-to-day trying to, you know, minor, you know, recycle, you know, driving less just overall using less i feel like that's somehow ridiculed and for some reason it's not popular to be conscious of your behavior in terms of recycling and and things like that why is that when did it become or why is it uncool to care about that i don't know and i think i think what it is is that okay environmentalism was f- brought into the mainstream kind of by hippies 
Fair, right. yeah. Counterculture, sixties. Counterculture, hippies. Um, and so I think it's been from there kind of pushed off on people who are not masculine. Yeah. Um, people who are kind of counterculture, like you said, so kind of un-American, um, wimpy. Totally. Stuff like that. So it's so it's gotten pushed off into that corner. There's no logic behind it. It's all feeling and raw emotion. It's very strange. And it, it's it's actually also probably attached to the fact that um, the energy conservation, environmentally conscious movement is a direct attack upon the F three fifty. Yeah, I I just in certain groups that I associate with the greener that I am the more ridicule I receive which it's no big deal to me it doesn't really affect how I, I'm still going to do what I'm going to do but I, I just find it very interesting that that's and, and when I do it it's not like I'm pounding my chest it's not like I'm telling everybody this is how you need to behave I just go about it in my own way yet I receive criticism for that behavior and maybe it's just lighthearted jokes but it's also not Yeah, it's you get made fun of. I mean, driving a hybrid, 100%. driving an electric car. We, we were just talking about right. this because um, I was I was considering getting one yeah, of those before uh, the podcast. We're talking about this. If I move, yeah, if I move to a spot where I have a longer commute, I would want to get a hybrid or electric car. Um, you know, recycling bags, um, or not using mm-hmm. bags. Yeah, we've um, us- using reusable bags. 100%. Um not getting straws that sort of thing people scoff at the paper straw idea um, yeah i was at starbucks one time and i like i asked if i could have the the strawless lid that they have now for like a, a colder beverage and the, the guy who worked at starbucks the barista it's like oh one of those sippy cup things I'm like uh yeah one of those <laughs> he said it in like a condescending tone it's like oh i was just asking for a thing that you provide And in my experience, this has all been driven by men. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't think I've ever been called out by a woman. For, yeah, I didn't, for, good. for being environmentally mm-hmm. conscious. It is weird that it, it's, I guess, a, a feminine trait to have, for some people. And then it, that, that goes back to the fact that we refer to, the Earth as Mother Earth. True. You know, Gaia or yeah. whatever. It, it seems to be a feminine energy, a feminine sort of thing to be. I don't know, conscious about nature and the environment, even though like the nature and the environment is one of the most important things to one of the most masculine, you know, hobbies out there hunting. Uh, yeah. You know, it's very important that you conserve the environment so that way that you can then hunt or fish or hike or, you know, things that are, you know, looked at as masculine hobbies. So it's, it's very hypocritical and like, they hold these two ideas in their mind at the same time that are in conflict with each right. other. It's kind of weird. It's become cool and masculine to not care for whatever reason, but I think that's kind of the exact opposite of what quote-unquote masculinity is supposed to be. Aren't you supposed to be looking after others and providing for others? It's kind of I think it's so. It's kind of contradictory when you're saying, ah, "I don't I don't care what that doesn't matter." I agree. I agree entirely. And 
I don't understand it. And, um, you know, it's to our own detriment. You know, people don't want to believe it. They, the, the thing that gets thrown out there all the time is, oh, we've always had cycles. Yeah. Um, we've always had cycles, you know. The, what, what they're failing to understand is, and there's this great XKCD comic, um, XKCD.com, I believe. And there's a comic that he has on global warming. And it basically scrolls from the top of the screen to the bottom of the screen. And, like, you know, you use the arrow to go down. And it keeps going down. keeps going down. Well, it shows, I don't know if it's millions or hundreds of thousands of years and a, you know, couple degree temperature change. And then it shows an equivalent temperature temperature change since the start of the Industrial Revolution. Mm-hmm. And so that, that sums it up to me. We have, yes, there are cycles, but we have accelerated the cycles beyond what they were previously. So, and um, the year that you said those those drastic changes were going to be taking place, you said 2070, is that correct? 2070, yeah, yes, sir. So, I mean, I may or may not be around in 2070, but if I have kids, they are most likely going to be around. That's the earth planet that they're going to be inheriting so it's not like it's some far off year that we'll we'll never get here that's right around the corner and that's for for those areas to be uninhabitable like not like there will be changes yeah not like oh it's before then (laughs) yeah major changes that we're already seeing regarding coastline you know regarding extreme weather patterns right regarding their their citing wildfires and that like it's it's gonna get out you're thinking about having kids that's the planet you're bringing him into. It's here. <laughs> I, I don't understand it. It's just we like to we like to ride the ship right into the rocks. Incredible. Bro. And it's not you like know. it's dark and it's foggy. No, it's right in front of us. Yep, we see it coming and we're <laughs> like, eh. I, 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 I get that we could turn the ship, but I just want to run it into the rocks <laughs> and then we'll figure it out from there. Yeah. It's very strange. It is. And I guess ignorance is bliss. You know, like we always said, definitely. And it's not affecting us right now. I think that's the problem with a lot of people is that unless something is affecting them right now, this moment right here today, they are not going to do anything about it. That's why so many people smoke cigarettes. They're like, "That's a yeah, that's a weird one." Well, I'll be I'll be fine right now. You know, yeah, I'm super increasing my risk of getting cancer, COPD, emphysema, you know, congestive heart failure, spinal stenosis, everything, uh, peripheral vascular everything. disease, you know, all these things, but not right now. So, you know. I'm just gonna keep right. Going. It amazes me how many people I see in healthcare that smoke a pack a day. Insane. I, I don't. Insane. I don't even know what to say. I don't say anything don't because it's not like they don't know. Oh, they it, know. Right. Sure. It's man. It's. I mean, obviously the addiction is it's incredibly difficult to kick. But I like. I don't even know how you get in that situation in the first part. In the first. Yeah. Strange. Yeah. So, but the Green New Deal tries to address that because we need to start trying to address that. It's, you know, we're already, you know, the assignment was due a week ago and we're <laughs> coming. 
We're coming up with the rough draft right. today. So we're um, taking an Adderall and we're pulling an all nighter. <laughs> yeah. So you know they included this, and their the big mistake was Alexandria Ocasio Cortez because if you read the terminology of the resolution itself, there's no inflammatory things, and and this is kind of what it's kind of the in decline hate breed art project to a lesser degree you need to write these things in the most palatable way for someone who does not believe in global warming yeah to agree with 100 percent. that's how you need to package it if you're going to get your ideas across if you were going to get other people to buy on that normally wouldn't buy on you need to be selling this in a different package you do not need to put unwilling to work that is the number one thing that you can tell somebody who's right-leaning that i mean it's it might be over killing babies with abortions it might be over um you know if you said something disparaging about the lord and savior jesus christ if you say that you were going to give people money for doing nothing they will lose their fucking minds true So would you say yes? We're we're going to provide economic security for those unwilling to work. You fucking killed anything that you're trying to get done. You shot it in the head. You you know the brains are all over your shoes. Congratulations. Um, and I think part of that is you know we've become so dug in. There's like a little we'll fuck those guys. No no no. That's half the country. We need them. <laughs> you know? No, no, no. Not fuck them. No, let's get everybody on the same page. Let's make all of this a better place because what's the alternative? The alternative is, like, we have to get rid of them then. Like, and I'm not trying to do that. I don't want to get rid of people. I don't want to cause any unnecessary harm. That's my whole ethics. Less harm. So the the path to the least amount of harm is not – fucking killing half of the United States or ostracizing half the United States or just completely being at odds with them, it's finding the best way to work together. And I I don't see how people don't see that. I think they're blinded by their anger, by their emotion, and by the desire to be right and win. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I agree. I, th- I so, think you said something too about making it palatable for like everybody. And I th- agree with that. I think it, the plans that we put in place kind of don't make it such a political rhetoric and make all these use fancy terms. Just give me like real life solutions that I can start on a daily basis and that everybody can do, not some far off. M- stuff that no one understands definitely and if you're speaking to somebody you're trying to convince a group you have to use their language right. so like, don't talk if, down to me just give me real life things that i can do to help exactly and so if you're talking to somebody on the right what's something that they value they value capitalism they value economic prosperity and so how do you package this will you say Something along the lines of, you know, even how do you package up getting rid of coal? You go, well, the profit margins on coal are super low. <laughs> you yeah, know, there there's no, there's the future projections are, are bad. 
you know, that there's a dying industry is no longer feasible to keep it afloat. You know, it's a failing business. Well, we have a new business that the profit margins are better, and maybe they're not right now, and maybe you can't make this argument, but there's a new business that has higher future potential for earnings, for employment, for economic prosperity in this country. You just, it's all about packaging. It's all about branding. It's all about marketing. And it's all about, if, if you're trying to convince somebody, you almost have to plant the idea in their own head and, and make, the, make it seem like they came to that conclusion on their own. There's, there's no sure way to get somebody to uh, have the hair on their back bristle in response to an idea than saying, you have to do yeah, this. Yeah, nobody wants to have to do something. Definitely not. And especially when it's change. When it's change that they're not change used to. Change is hard. I get it. It goes against our normal natural instinct to change. So, good idea, bad delivery, um, and definitely not. We shouldn't be completely providing for people unwilling to work yet. I we can get into a whole different topic on the automation of jobs and the rise of AR AI, and you know how I think that universal basic income is a necessity in the future, and that eventually we will be paying people to do nothing um, because. The alternative is a hellish landscape where there is a group of the ultra uber rich who control the robots and the AI, and there's the rest of us um, fighting for our lives uh, in order to feed ourselves and keep ourselves, you know, housed and protected from the elements. So, uh, but that's a whole another topic that we don't really need to get into right now. So. So for me, it's one of the most wonderful times of the year. Um, not only is it not the beginning of spring, but it is the <laughs> beginning of March Madness and the NCAA tournament, which is probably, I mean, if we're talking events, Super Bowl, World Cup, March Madness, college football, you know, bowl season, um, this is probably my favorite. It's hard to argue that, especially the first Thursday through Sunday weekend that we get 30 games. It's hard to beat that. It is. And even the conference tournament part. I love conference tournaments. The rivalries. Um, if you are a college basketball fan and you are not on our college basketball on Reddit and you have not been paying attention to the Big 12 GIF Wars, you are missing out. You're missing Can you give out. a little summary of what that is? Because I'm not even familiar with that. So users on our college basketball, they all, um, a lot of them have flair regarding the team that they root for. Um, and so if you're unaware, Kansas has been like, I believe they've won the regular season Big 12 championship for the last 15 years. And um, this year they lost, <laughs> and uh, Kansas State ended up winning. But leading up to this, because the writing was kind of on the wall with Kansas, they were losing games, they were having people get injured, so they made all these gifts, man, and it was just a back and forth. Um, the best one, the culmination of all this, was <laughs> somebody used the the scene in Anchorman where all the news crews fight mm -hmm. each other. <laughs> <laughs> and they just replaced them with Big 12 nice. teams. 
And so it's like, you know, Kansas, Kansas State, Texas Tech, Baylor, Oklahoma. It's just it, – I'm not doing it justice. Just, just check just it go. out. Okay. Go, please. Check it out because it is just insane. But, um, yeah, it got me pumped up. I, I don't even really hate Kansas that much, and I found myself rooting for them to lose so hard. And I now care about outside of the Big 12, Wolford, uh, you know. I never even really paid attention to their basketball program because of the gifts on Reddit. Mm. I'm now You're invested. a Terriers guy now? Big Terriers Diehard guy. Terriers guy. Diehard. S- since day since one. Day one. But, yeah, it's just fantastic. I love it. Exciting time of year. Um, you know, sometimes with the professional sports, it feels like a lot of the games don't mean a lot. Even in the playoffs – um, a team can go down 0-2, and it's not a super big deal. Um, every game, it seems like, in college basketball has so much weight to it, and the fans are just rabid, out of their rabid. minds. Yeah. Will you allegedly be placing any type of money on any of these games, allegedly, in March? <laughs> allegedly, yes. Ooh, that's exciting. Are you going to conference tourney, yeah. or...? Or the big one? Um, it depends. Uh, I have to look at, you know, lines. Lines are important True. for some of the conference tournaments. So I have to look at those, see if I like anything for the conference tourneys. I'm, I'm definitely going to put a few futures bets for the tournament itself. Um, Didn't you finish, like, they, in the top I, 99th percentile last year in one of the leagues? It was, like, 90... 96, 94, yeah, something I remember like that. You, yes. I remember you casually <laughs> dropping that stat. I was like, what the? Yeah, it was the ESPN um, That's right. I, bracket I think I had one yeah, team in the final challenge. four last year, and I thought that was a win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so high 90s, whatever something it was. Something to shoot for this year. Did all right. Did all right. Definitely. I'm feeling I'm feeling the Zags. Are you? You I'm think it's their the year? I feel like this year is Like to win year. it all or I to do. get back to the final four and lose again? Oh, to win it all. To win it all. I, I feel like there's a lot of weakness in the rest of college is basketball. Is Zion going to be back for the I feel the like the Zags only. Um, Zion will be back, but they just lost um, Marcus Bolden to a knee injury against UNC. For the rest of the season? Um, not for the rest of the season, but, you know, it's coming down to it. It's a MCL sprain. Mm. That can be a couple so, weeks. You know, that can be a couple weeks. And so Duke is not going to be the Duke that they were earlier in the season, a Duke that was beaten by Gonzaga when they were at full yeah, strength. Like back in November. Yeah, back in November, but <laughs> still. <laughs> and then um, the only two losses Gonzaga has had was when they had injuries of their own, and those losses came to UNC and Tennessee. Not, those you are know, legit losses. Extremely respectable. Yeah, top, respectable top losses. Five. They're on a 20-game win streak. Against St. Mary's and, and in San Diego. Absolutely. Uh, but in that streak, nobody's come within 12 points. I mean, they're beating who they should beat soundly. So, yeah. Definitely. We'll see. Who do you have? Who do you like? In I'm still Duke versus the field. If a healthy Zion. Still, still Duke? Duke? With a healthy Zion. Nah. But even, so what's healthy? He's coming back from the injury. But 80%, you and I both 80% or higher. 
So you've bought the ESPN Zion hype. I, see. I mean, I've been on Zion since December. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. I, well, we'll see if we'll see if we'll see if Nike has anything. To I'm say just yeah, I'm just a blue bloods guy. I I find it hard to pick against pick against the top ranked programs in March. I mean, it's fun. I have a, yeah. I root for the the smaller schools, but just history kind of goes against that. Definitely, definitely. Um, except for last year, Sister Jean. Man. I mean, they make runs, but if we're talking about who's going to win it all. Definitely. Who's going right. to win it all? Who do you sure. think is going to be sure. this year's Virginia in terms of getting bounced early, if you recall? I mean, depend depending. Um, I don't know. I'm just a Duke hater, so I, I want to say Duke, <laughs> but I can't. I Duke has Duke lost hater. to a 15 before. I think they lost to Lehigh a couple years ago. 15 versus a 2. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm such a Duke hater. I want to say them just with the injuries that they've been having. Um, and maybe Zion comes back. He's not 100%. Um, or comes back too early and gets hurt mm. again. Has to sit out, something like that. Uh, I could see Duke getting bounced early. I could see... I mean Tennessee has looked terrible that's, on it. That off. was the yep, that's who I was gonna say. Yeah, Tennessee has looked you know, sometimes they look pretty darn good, but other times they just look like dog crap. So I could see Tennessee. Um let's see who else. Kentucky. Kentucky and Tennessee have looked as good at their peak, mm-hmm. but at, at their lows, Tennessee has just looked lower. Um Michigan two, Michigan two's gotten, you know, um, beaten by teams that just didn't deserve to beat them. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel like it's anybody's turning this year. I don't feel like there's a super front runner, especially with the injuries to mm-hmm. Duke. Um, I mean, every team has shown vulnerability. Nobody looks like super world beaters. And a lot of teams have shown that they're all about at the same level. You know, Gonzaga beat Duke, but it's only by two. Uh, Tennessee beat Gonzaga, but it's only by three. Um, you know, Virginia lost in a close game to Duke in the first one. is a little wider in the second. But, again, that's Duke that's not at full health. And then, you know, the Duke-North Carolina-Virginia cycle just kind of goes around and there's a lot of there's a lot of parody this year, so it should be a fun tourney. Absolutely, can't wait for that first weekend. Hard, hard to call. Yeah. But yeah, excited to see some of the you know non-major conference teams there and there. Like we said, Wolford, um, Houston. It'll be interesting to see how they do. Um, only two losses this year. They're beating the teams that they're supposed to. Stumbled twice. It happens. You know, it's tough yeah, to it's stay. A long season. Young um, kids, a lot of distractions. Super long season. Mm-hmm. Um, Nevada's a bit of disappointment this year. Um, they started off pretty hot, right? Yeah, and they still only have, like, three losses or something like that. And, then you know, they have both the Martins um, and uh, Jordan Caroline, but – they just haven't looked quite as impressive as they did last year, but they are a team that is definitely capable of hitting a hot shooting streak and being dangerous to anybody. So, But uh, you want to talk NFL offseason? Yeah, I wanted to discuss the recent trade, Antonio Brown being traded from the Pittsburgh Steelers 
to the Oakland Raiders, which I think is a very, very interesting fit, and that's about the best word I can come up with right now. Antonio Brown has had a lot of off-the-field issues. His on-the-field produ- productivity has never been in question, but a lot of issues in the locker room, practice, in his personal life, and he's going to an organization with that is not concrete, settled right now. It is not a stable team. The quarterback situation with Derek Carr has not been great lately, and so Antonio Brown's going from playing with a Hall of Fame quarterback to right now not the greatest quarterback in the NFL. And, and I like Derek Carr, I like what he did earlier in his career, but I don't, I don't know how this is going to fit, and I don't know all the details. But from what I know, this is a curious situation in Oakland. It is a curious situation. Would you say you then tend to agree with the statements of Larry Fitzgerald in saying that Antonio Brown's productivity is going to drop quite a bit uh, moving from what he views as a Hall of Fame quarterback and Ben Roethlisberger to... I don't think there's any question that his numbers are going to decrease significantly. Uh, Keep in mind also when he was in Pittsburgh... They had Le'Veon Bell, who is arguably one of the best backs in the league. They had Juju Smith-Schuster, mm-hmm. great, another mm-hmm. great uh, wide receiver. So he wasn't – I mean, he's still getting significant amount of coverage, but he's going to a Raiders offense that has been lackluster, so he'll be drawing even more attention. I, Yeah, I don't – I'm not huge – I'm not huge on Antonio Brown right now, to be honest with you. Yeah. I, I mean – a lot, a lot of people aren't. A lot of people kind of view him as locker room cancer. Yeah, I, I just – does his athleticism outweigh the headaches that he's going to cause you in every other aspect of having him on your team to be determined, I guess, in Oakland? But I guess Gruden thought it was worth it. I mean, they didn't have to give up a whole lot for the amount of talent that they're getting. I mean, they have to pay him a lot, but I think they traded like a third and a fifth which considering this is the best receiver statistic-wise in the NFL the last couple of years. We'll see how it plays out. But I kind of think... Is... What's up? Is John Gruden being influenced by the move to Vegas? Is is he uh, just fully embracing the gamble? I think, <laughs> I think he's probably getting pressure from his bosses that they need to bring a flashy team with him to Las Vegas and they need to win immediately. So you kind of have to reach, which I think this is a reach. I don't think Antonio Brown is somebody you build your team around because of his overall attitude and with the way he carries himself. But maybe Gruden thinks that he can mitigate some of those issues and just limit Antonio Brown to being an all pro receiver and, and not having all those other issues. I mean, when Antonio Brown first came into stormed into the league, we never really heard about all this stuff. But the last couple of years, it's been nothing but infighting with the with the Steelers. I, I kind of think that the Raiders, maybe they're going to do something else in the draft and get a quarterback. I know they have a lot of draft picks. Maybe they can package it to to get an outstanding or to get a, a high value draft pick quarterback wise. I, I just don't see Derek Carr and Antonio Brown being a good fit. But, again, I'm not in, in those offices. I don't know exactly what their grand plan is. 
yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Um, but I think it's like we we're saying they they're not giving up much for him, and I think it's a a risk worth taking for sure. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I'm sure the Steelers. Any other I'm sure uh, the Steelers are more than happy to to part ways at this point. Definitely, especially when the relationship is soured. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, any other big offseason moves that uh, caught your eye? Surprised that Kareem Hunt got picked up? Nope, not in the slightest. Me neither. <laughs> Weird. wonder why that is. Not even a little bit. Maybe he'll be playing in uh, – or maybe he'll be fighting in the UFC one day. Ooh. We'll um, good transition into the UFC fight night talk. All right, and we turn now to UFC 235. John Jones versus Anthony Smith was the headliner. Overall, an interesting card. A little weird, but um, some entertaining fights on there. And I think I'll start with Diego Sanchez versus Mickey Gall. Um, just a shout-out to Diego Sanchez. been fighting way too long. <laughs> um just a a legend a guy who goes in there i'm almost positive i've never seen a boring diego sanchez fight uh guy goes in there and just gives it his all every time high action high pace fights um was able to use his ground game which he had shied away from uh for a point in his career he was just kind of standing and banging with people for a while um has has Brought back his ground game, which has always been world-class. He's always had good wrestling and fantastic jujitsu. Um, took down Mickey Gall. Just brutalized him with huge elbows. And uh, ends up getting the finish. Um, kudos to him. And I think they said he's been fighting for 15 years. He's tough one. Jeez. The, the first The Ultimate Fighter reality show <laughs> he was on. The inaugural show. That's a long time to be in this sport. Yeah, and after the fight, um, he gave a little shout-out to all the anti-aging products. He's like, uh, you know, the anti-aging's working, baby. So uh, he may be fighting for another 15. We'll see. <laughs> what did he mean by that? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but uh, I wonder if he, Usada was like, uh, let's uh, let's get a couple samples from that guy. Huh. Huh? Yeah, that's a great way to red flag yourself with Usada. Definitely. Super red flag. The next fight that was super interesting uh, in a couple different ways was Johnny Walker. Have you been uh, following the the ascension of young Johnny Walker? Uh, yeah, just based on his name enough, I feel like I have to follow him because that's the greatest fighting name of all time. And then his most recent antics after his victory was um, breaking his own sh- or dislocating his own shoulder. Is that correct? That okay, is well, I hope that doesn't yeah. overshadow his actual fight, but that's the takeaway that I had. Yeah, Johnny Walker is an interesting guy. Um, made his debut on Dayton White's Contender Series Brazil. Um, beat Enrique da Silva in a decision. You know, it wasn't it wasn't what his last couple of fights have been. In his last couple of fights, he has been scoring some extremely spectacular knockouts. Uh, the fight before this was was a spinning back fist followed up by punches. Um, in this fight, it was a flying knee followed up by punches. Just a very explosive guy. 
big and tall. He's like 6'6", very long, very large for the division, extremely explosive, throws unorthodox techniques, and we haven't really seen enough from him to know whether or not he's good because he just keeps finishing people so early. So it's good to have a somewhat young contender in the light heavyweight division, a division that's kind of been talent poor and a little stagnant. So we'll see how he does going forward. Um, but an impressive performance and then just a weird celebration <laughs> where he kind of does like a drop down kinda, worm yeah, thing. Really, really bad worm. Yeah, and ends up dislocating his shoulder. So, fantastic. Yeah, not great. So, will he be Just. fighting John Jones at some point in his career? It depends on how his next couple of fights okay, go. Okay, so he's not um, there yet. He's not there yet. Definitely not there yet, but uh, working his way okay. up. Working his way up. I'd say he's probably like two fights from a title shot. That's fair enough. If he wins both those fights. So... Impressive performance. Good to see young blood. Um, the next interesting one was another prospect that people are really high on, is Zabit Magomed Sharipov Ooh, uh, versus Jeremy Stevens. Yeah, and uh, he is. How would I describe him? I don't know. He's like he's like Khabib if Khabib took traditional like kung fu. Not Kung Fu, Taekwondo, martial arts. And like instead of focusing so much on the wrestling, did a lot of spinny stuff and then had some wrestling on the side. And was tall um, and lengthy. Just another tall, lengthy. Yeah, high-paced fighter, um, unorthodox techniques, solid technical skills, though, striking and grappling. And he was able to just pretty much completely neutralize Jeremy Stevens in that fight. So... Another guy to look out for at 145. He's looked pretty darn good in all his fights. And unlike Johnny Walker, we've got to see him over entireties of fights. Um, gets hit a little too much for my liking at the upper levels. Um, we'll see We'll see how he does in the future, but another exciting prospect. So. And then probably your favorite fight of the night. <laughs> I know Pedro Munoz against your boy, Gardi- Cody Garbrandt. Your thoughts on that fight? Yeah, so what I thought going into the fight was that this was supposed to be somewhat of a like confidence boost fight for him, and maybe I just wasn't as familiar with Pedro Munoz as I should have been, but I thought this was kind of like a, all right, Cody, we've lost two, let's, let's get one under our belt and we'll get back into a title fight, and that did not happen whatsoever. So that's three straight losses for my boy Cody Garbrandt, is that correct? Two of, two of yeah, them to, three straight to losses. That's correct. So, yep, three straight losses um, for Cody Garbrandt. And this was kind of supposed to be that. I mean, they were billing Munoz as an up-and-comer, but most people thought that the speed advantage that Cody Garbrandt had over Munoz would be too much. Munoz, I mean, he, he said it in the post-fight interview himself. He said, I know I have a solid chin. I know he's been hurt before, so I knew that I would have to trade one for one, and I felt confident in doing that. And so uh, he he did just that, traded one for one. He was landing some good leg kicks to start out against Cody Garbrandt, kind of hurt, hampering his mobility a bit. And um, 
he knew Cody. He also said he knew Cody was an emotional fighter. So, you know, kind of got Cody a little emotional, kind of got into a couple exchanges where they both landed some solid shots and then got to a point where they're just both standing in the pocket. Um, Munoz, stronger chin, moved his head just a little bit more than Cody. And uh, that that knockout looked very similar to um, the non-head kick knockout um, that TJ Dillashaw landed on Cody Garbrandt. It seems to be a, a technical flaw he has there when trading in the pocket. So, yeah, so Not looking good. No, um, I was going to ask, where do you think he goes from here? He's got to make some serious changes, right? He does, but I want to, and I want to give a shout out to the Heavy Hands podcast, uh, one of my favorite MMA podcasts, and they were talking about this fight, and I, I agree with them entirely. Cody Garbrandt is not a very high IQ fighter, or um, anything like Pedro. M- <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, that was uncalled uh, for. <laughs> but uh, so. You know, not a very high IQ fighter gets emotional within fights and kind of throws game plans out the window. And it's weird because when we, when Cody Garbrandt first burst onto the scene, um, it was with a fight against Dominic Cruz where he stuck to and executed the perfect game plan. Um, seemed very disciplined in that fight against Dominic Cruz, fought the fight that he wanted to fight was loose in there, was joking around, doing his little dance moves and whatnot. And so people were very excited about him after that. Um, I don't know if his decline in technique, game planning, that sort of – well, the technique's always been the same. But game planning, uh, fighting emotionally, has anything to do with Justin Buckholtz, uh, who was the former you know, MMA coach for Team Alpha Male, leaving again after – weird another coach has had issues with uriah faber and um huh strange there's no pattern there uh i don't know something needs to change for cody and i think i think a change of scenery might do him good if he's open to receiving that I, i don't know if the issue is with the coaching or with him but he definitely gets emotional in fights and that almost always plays to his detriment so Then, moving on from that fight, we had Robbie Lawler, Brutal Bob, Brutal Bob Lawler against Funky Ben Askren. The debut of Ben Askren in the UFC is long awaited. He had been stuck in other MMA organizations because basically he just pissed Dana off. And Dana was like, ah, he's never going to fight for us, even though he'd been undefeated in these under other organizations and kind of dominating they finally got it worked out traded demetrius johnson he comes over to the ufc makes his debut against robbie lawler highly anticipated um comes out shoots a takedown (laughs) and just gets tossed on his head by robbie Lawler. didn't work whatsoever what not at all and that was just so crazy to me (laughs) How Robbie Lawler just picked him up over his head and just tossed him right on his skull. And then Robbie follows up with some good ground and pound. Ben Askren is finally able to get into a position that's a little more advantageous to him. Puts on basically, it's called a bulldog choke, but basically a schoolyard headlock and starts squeezing. And one of the strangest finishes I've ever seen, uh, Herb Dean goes to pick 
Robbie Lawler's arm up to make sure he's still conscious. Robbie Lawler's arm did fall a little suspiciously. Um, Herb, th- but then Robbie kind of like, or no, Robbie's arm fell. Herb goes to pick it up, and Robbie is not immediately reactive in grabbing Herb's arm back just because I think he was more focused on the man squeezing on his face. Um, and Herb ends up calling the fight, even though Robbie is completely conscious, did not tap to the choke, and was actively um, in the fight. So very strange. Uh, you have any thoughts on that? No, I was watching the replays, and yeah, I, I, my eyes are not classically trained enough to, to figure out if that was a legit stoppage or not. So I, I shouldn't be the one criticizing it, but I, it, I feel like I'm always trying to side with the the refs in these circumstances, the judges in these circumstances, because of just how difficult it is and how quick of a decision you have to make. So I, yeah, I don't know. Herb Dean's in a tough situation there. Yeah. The only criticism I would have for Herb is he, he did the right thing in picking his arm up to try and see if he was reactive, but he wasn't paying close enough attention to the reaction that he was getting back from Robbie. There was maybe, a beat in between where Robbie didn't react and he immediately stopped the fight. I think, I think the problem is when Herb has done that, the majority of the time he picks up somebody's arm. It's more of, it's more of just confirmation of what he already knows. Mm -hmm. And so I, I feel like he was just kind of going through the motions of picking up that arm when he was, that's what he does. That's his first instinct. Um, when going to stop a fight, when he thinks somebody's unconscious and was just in that process and carried it out without stopping to wait for the feedback. So, Yeah, and tip of the cap to Robbie Lawler for handling that controversial stoppage with nothing but class and grace, and we haven't always seen that from UFC fighters, so I think that speaks to his character and how he carries himself to not throw a tantrum inside the octagon. He accepted the decision whether he agreed with it or not and uh you know it didn't take away from ben Askren's performance or his own performance so i I thought that was a refreshing thing to see while robbie's response to that didn't take away from ben Askren's performance i feel like ben Askren's response to that took away from ben Askren's performance just the way he he i mean he has a shtick and he's like trying to come off as a character which i get that but it just it just doesn't work for me personally, and I guess that means it works because I'll still watch to see if he I loses. Think that's what he wants from you. It's the it's the polarizing, right? You know, it doesn't matter if you love or hate somebody. It's just that you you Definitely. care. Um, and he's he was saying, yeah, Herb asked him if he's all right, and Robbie didn't say anything. Well, you have your arm <laughs> squeezing around his jaw. It's kind of hard to talk. So he can't necessarily, <laughs> yeah. It's just just a strange situation and a fight that I thought was really interesting style-wise that I would have liked to see have a little more closure in that play out um, to to its culmination. Here's a completely unprofessional but professional question. Is Ben Askren like the most or the least intimidating UFC fighter of all time? Yeah, yes, for, for someone um, who, at that height. I would say okay, that height. For yeah. his, I guess, size in general. 
Oh, definitely. He just he for looks someone like who some could ab- fat out of shape <laughs> and his, like for someone who could absolutely ruin your life in like three seconds, he just doesn't mm-hmm. present that way. And it doesn't matter because he still gets the job done. But just such a a unique, <laughs> a funny appearance for someone who could absolutely ruin your life in a short amount of time. I would say there are a couple fighters up there on that list: Ben Askren for sure, uh, Josh Barnett. And Roy Nelson. Yeah, I, I guess I, I should, yeah, what I meant was uh, his size. But yeah, definitely those other two. Yeah, just not <laughs> a very intimidating gentleman. But man, he will. That would be the life. wrong person uh, to underestimate in like a barroom fight. Mm hmm. That would not go well. BJ Penn, when he was at the peak of his fat, kind of fat BJ stage. Yeah. You know, just a short little kind of pudgy <laughs> Hawaiian dude <laughs> wearing flip flops, probably. Yeah. <laughs> you know, got the slippers on. Uh, yeah, that would be a mm-hmm. bad night. <laughs> Speaking of bad nights, Tyron Woodley had one of the worst nights he's had in a long time. Um, in what was an incredible performance by Kamaru Usman, I. It's been a long time, if ever, that I have seen somebody dominate Tyron Woodley so completely in that specific manner. Uh, we've seen Tyron get knocked out by Nate Marquardt when Nate Marquardt like threw this ridiculous combo and knocked him out. Um, we've seen him kind of get shut down by Rory McDonald when they fought. But this was just a complete domination in every aspect of a mixed martial arts fight. Kamaru Usman had the better striking, he had the better cardio, and surprisingly, he had the better wrestling. The D2 All-American National Champion out-wrestling the D1 All-American. Just completely incredible. Um, Very impressive performance by Kamaru Usman. What seems to be an improvement over his previous performances. I'm very excited for him. I'm very excited for... The matchups that can now be made in the welterweight division, he has not had an easy road up here. He is not somebody that the UFC took a shine to and kind of aided his transition. He has fought the best of the best to get where he's at. He has had a extremely hard road. Um, 31 from Nigeria, and he is currently on a 14-fight winning streak. His last couple wins coming over Tyron Woodley, the champ, Rafael Dos Anjos, and Demian Maia. Not an easy list of opponents there. So, congrats to him. Super happy for him. Uh, excited to see what the future holds. Hopefully, a beatdown over Colby Ooh, Covington is next. I like that. And then the main event. Did you catch the main event? Tom? I saw the the replay of it. I didn't. I didn't watch it live. Yeah, John Jones versus Anthony Smith. Interesting fight. Anthony Smith coming up from middleweight where he had mixed success, to say the least. Uh, come up to light heavyweight. Had a knockout over Mauricio Shogun Hua and Jimmy Manoa. And gets thrust into a title fight here against John Jones. Kind of a fight that everybody was expecting to be a complete blowout. 
Oh, and he had to win over Volkanovsky in the last fight. Um, a kind of fight that everybody was expecting to be a complete blowout, and it kind of was, but not the domination that we kind of expected from John Jones. Would you say that's fair? Not a complete outright domination that I expected. I, I didn't think it was going to go to the, the judges' scorecard. It makes me wonder how much motivation plays a factor in John Jones' fights. Um. I feel like he kind of plays down to his competition and underestimates yeah. him and kind of needs a great challenge to draw the greatness out of yeah. him. Yeah, and he was saying the in one of the pre-fight interviews that he was not going to do that. He was not going to underestimate his opponent. But saying it and doing it is two different things. Yeah, and maybe just... He didn't have that right pulsing of Picos going. Um, Pico Grams? Are we on that? Yeah, maybe the pulsing's oh, done. Man. Maybe this is no, bo- no more yeah, I'm, pulsing. I'm good finally. if we can stop talking about it. So, not the best performance from John Jones. Still got that title defense. Still is adding to right. his legacy at light heavyweight. It's um, hard. Easily the greatest light heavyweight of all yeah. time. But it's hard to as the title defenses rack up, he's making a case for greatest of all time. Yeah, and it's hard for me to really criticize his performance just because he didn't have some crazy, astounding finish. Doesn't take away from the fact that he won the fight, defended his title, and moves forward. Mm-hmm. And, and dominated. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was fight, ever in so. question. Definitely. Well, I think. Oh, no, we have the fight night. So uh, we had another fight this weekend. It was actually yesterday. It was a fight night. Um, these cards are kind of getting a little thinned out. ESPN signed the UFC to this deal. They have a bunch of fights that they're going to put on, and they're getting thin. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a nice way to put it. They're stretching their resources, their fight roster, very thin, having cards every weekend. So thin that yeah, Dana White was not in the stadium arena last night for the fights. He's got better things to he, do, man. He's probably at a blackjack table, the station casino. I somewhere. think he was at the Staples Center watching the Lakers lose to the Celtics. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> wow. Better things to do. Better things yeah. to do. Well, he missed out on a great man event. Um, Derek Lewis. Junior Dos Santos, both guys who are on the cusp of being contenders for this title in the heavyweight division. Junior Dos Santos, a fighter that only loses really to the upper echelon in the heavyweight division. Losses to Stipe Miocic, a win over Stipe and a loss to Stipe. Um, Lost to Alistair Overeem and two losses to Cain Velasquez back before. Probably like four back surgeries and three knee surgeries ago. But... um, a guy who's always had solid boxing, solid striking, and a very good defensive ground game. Did you did you catch the main event, Tommy? I did not. I was on shift, but I saw the I saw the knockout itself, or the TKO rather. Incredible back and forth fight. Um, probably before the knockout, something you didn't catch. Junior Dos Santos landed a incredible spinning back kick to the to the midsection of Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis basically crumpled in half it looked like the fight was going to be over and when junior dos santos uh rushed in to kind of finish him off Derek lewis just 
pulled a bomb out of him and landed it right on Junior Dos Santos's chin. Very impressive that he survived that. Very impressive that um, Derek Lewis was able to muster the strength to throw that. And then it was just kind of off to the races from there. Uh, Junior Dos Santos kind of being a little cautious, taking his opportunities, and was able to get the finish. Um, he's he's still hanging around, Dos Santos. They keep trying to get rid of him, <laughs> and he's still hanging around, still getting the wins. I mean, I'd say with this, he's like one win from a title shot. Huh. He, uh, he beat uh, – I've – forget the russian guy's name it's like ivoy blaganov or blaganov something like that anyway Tai tuivasa and then Derek lewis um with the ko wins coming over tuivasa and lewis huge wins and in the heavyweight division which is a little thin he's one one fight from a tile shot in my opinion so but i think that's it for ufc uh, anything else in sports? I've got one thing for boxing. That's uh, yeah, let's get let's get to boxing. So this past weekend, um, Demetri Bevel KO Joe Smith Jr. Uh, good fight in the light heavyweight division. Joe Smith Jr., the man who was most famous for being the construction worker that knocked Bernard Bernard Hopkins out of the ring and took his title. Bevel getting the win and just doing his thing as light heavyweight. Um, probably one of the lighter or the brighter prospects there. He's talked about dropping down a weight class to go to 168. He'll be good at either weight class. Exciting fights for him there. But this oh, weekend, big one coming up. Uh, the, yeah, this coming weekend is a huge fight, which I feel like nobody's talking about. Not enough. I, I'm plugged into the boxing world. Um, I feel like you're a little more removed than I am. Have you heard much about this, either just on general television, which I don't have, um, or amongst any of your peer groups? Not on a major network, no, but amongst <sighs> some of the people that I interact with on a daily, particularly one individual who trains at Wildcard, so he's pretty plugged into boxing. He, oh, yeah, nice. he like sent me the link for the... Uh, I want to say it was Showtime, but the it might not be Showtime, but the one of like the thirty minute docs that it's previewing the fight and showing both trainers getting ready for the fight or both fighters rather getting ready for the fight. So uh, no, it's not everywhere. It's definitely not on ESPN at least where I've seen, and uh, it's kind of surprising for for such a big event that's happening on a pretty big weekend in sports. I feel like um, St. Patrick's Day weekend. There's usually a big pri- uh, ties big size title fight rather and uh just haven't really previewed it that much i don't know why yeah and for such a massive fight against two of the most highly skilled fighters in the sport for what you could call a super fight where you have two different champions from two different weight classes coming together to fight i feel like it's not getting a lot of press a lot of traction they had tried to do some things earlier with errol spence in the Dallas Cowboys, they had a couple of his fights at the practice fields and stuff like that. But I feel like that's tapered off, and people have kind of forgotten this fight is happening, which is a shame. Mikey Garcia has titles in four different weight classes, is making quite a big jump. Uh, I would say the weight class that suits him best is probably 135, and he is jumping 
from 135 up to 147 to fight the biggest welterweight, I think, in the weight class, Errol Spence, and one of the most talented. Um, Very interesting fight. Errol Spence has looked extremely impressive in the fights that we've seen him in, but he hasn't had the highest level of opposition. I would say the best fighter he's fought is probably Kel Brook. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he handles, in my opinion, the best boxer he's ever faced. <coughs> that being said, his size advantage will make up for some of the technical gaps between the two boxers. How much bigger do you think he'll be it, it, on fight night than Garcia? I mean, I've heard that fight night, he's like close to 160, 170. Mm. So, I mean, I think he'll at least, at the very least, on fight night, he'll have around 10 to 15 pounds. That's pretty significant. It is, especially when Mikey Garcia has had to gain that weight. It's not weight that he has naturally. It's weight that he's tried to put on. And sometimes those experiments with fighters go a little wrong. They try to – we saw that with John Jones where he tried to do all this weightlifting and put on this weight, and he looked like absolute dog shit against Ovin St. Peru. Um, it's kind of hard to dial that in. It looks like Mikey Garcia is gaining the weight in the right way. Um whether or not that's aided by anything who knows (laughs) but it it looks like he's working with a good team who knows what they're doing and he feels like it's not affecting his speed which is huge because that's the biggest advantage he's going to have on errol spence coming up from that lighter weight class is that speed uh i feel like mikey garcia is technically the better boxer i think mikey garcia is the faster boxer but we've seen Errol Spence fight people who are maybe a little bit faster than him that he just wears down with his just absolute hammers uh, that he he throws to both the body and the head. And he has broken fighters in the ring. Um, Even Kel Brook, who actually fought at 154 and came down to 147, he just crumpled him. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Mikey Garcia's technique allows him to avoid the power of Errol Spence. Uh, incredible fight, and I'm glad it's awesome. Happening. Are there any fights on that undercard that we should be aware of? No. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. No, I mean, let's see. Because yes, there there are fights on that card that are good fights. The, the average person isn't going to know the names or be aware of them, but let me see. But it's worth purchasing the pay-per-view. Yeah, the main fight, I think, is just... Worth the price. Of, okay. It. It's, it's, it's very rare that you get to see two undefeated fighters who are being touted as one of the best pound-for-pound fighters um, go head-to-head, mm-hmm. especially from different weight classes. So, yeah, I mean... Louis Neary, no. I mean, Louis Neary's an all right fighter, but it's nobody I get excited for. Uh, Chris Ariola, that, uh, you know, he was a name like 10 years ago. 
um, Prince Charles Martin, uh, most famous for losing to Anthony Joshua. Um, yeah, the undercard is not great all right, at enough. all. Uh, honestly, is probably isn't a pay per view <laughs> outside of um, the hardcore boxing yeah. fans. I mean, I don't know. I don't know your average Joe who's gonna like. Yeah, I'm, I'll shell out seventy four ninety five for a fight that could last a round. Check it out. Cool. Well, I think that's it for me. Unless you got anything. No, else. I'm all set. 